Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Well, it's that time again. I asked the questions gathered from various sources, and Dr. Jennings via Skype provides answers. He doesn't know what's coming, but he always seems to be able to respond in meaningful and very helpful ways. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Dr. Jennings, are you ready to answer a few questions? Let's do it, Charles. All right. Question number one. Dr. Jennings, I have a problem with myself. I'm always thinking about me first and others second. But if I don't take care of my needs, no one is going to. How can I become a little less selfish? Well, it's an interesting question how that was worded, because that, that question may not ha- actually be selfish. Oh. You know, Jesus said, love your neighbor as your self. self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, There is a healthy self-love that is a prerequisite to fulfill before you love others. Hmm. The first rule of any health care provider is the health of the health care provider. You must maintain your health because if you don't, then you become incapacitated and can't care for anyone. So one of the things I teach students, residents, family members who have loved ones at home they have to care for is that they have to first determine what are the requirements necessary of their own physical health. How many hours of sleep do they need each night? How much food do they need each day? How much exercise? How much mental decompression time? How much time do they need with the Lord for their own personal spiritual health? In other words, there are certain requirements to life that must be achieved in order for each individual to maintain health. And that is not a selfish act. That is so that we can maintain the greatest fitness for service, for honoring God, for bringing glory to him and his kingdom, to be able to help others so that we can do the most with what God has blessed us. So the motive for healthy living could be selfish. It's all about me. I want to be the strongest. I want to be the prettiest. I want to be the most muscular. I want to look the best on the beach. Yes, it could. You do all this simply in a narcissistic, self-aggrandizing way. Mm-hmm. And we certainly are not endorsing or promoting that concept. It could be done that way. But the idea of self-care and self-love, as I've described it, is a godly thing, and it is what Jesus did. Jesus took time away from the needy masses to sleep, to spend time with his Father, to rejuvenate, to keep himself healthy so that he could be of service to others and also fulfill his mission that he came here to fulfill. And so the question is, you've asked it, as far as I'm concerned, it really goes to the motive. One could do things selfishly, but... I think there's an aspect of self-care that needs to be done before one is even in a position, and that requires spiritual self-care. Before you can really be of service to others, one has to have their heart renewed by the Holy Spirit and have been reborn into Christ-like love. Any other actions that look altruistic that are really coming from a heart that hasn't been converted will ultimately turn out to manipulate people to get something for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so true service comes from a heart of love. All right. And that heart of love lets you take care of yourself and your needs. Then, then you can go out. That's a beautiful lesson, Dr. Jennings. Thank you very much. Okay. Question number two. Dr. Jennings, what are your thoughts concerning transgender people in our community? They kind of frighten me and I don't want them to influence my walk with God. Any suggestions? Yeah. First off, I really appreciate how you asked the question because you've asked about the people. Yeah. 
There's a difference, and I want to make this very clear to, to the listeners. You need to make a distinction between transgendered people and transgendered politics. Hmm. They're not the same. Transgendered people are people, and they have individuality. They have identity. They have capacity to think, to reason, to love. They are children that God wants to bring into his kingdom, and we need to love them as we love every other human being. And that means that we treat them with respect, with dignity, with compassion. We are empathetic, but we also don't collude with behaviors that are self-destructive. We wouldn't, for instance, the old classic, friends don't let friends drive drunk. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't give keys to a drunk driver to drive. We wouldn't collude with actions that would ultimately be injurious to people. And so we don't ignore healthy counsel to people who are struggling with problems that make us uncomfortable. And so it is not our responsibility to fix, change, convert somebody who is transgender. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to love them and to focus on their character. And regardless of someone's gender, are they honest or dishonest? Are they kind or are they cruel? Are they loving or are they selfish? Are they trustworthy or are they manipulative? And so the idea of focus on character development is what's most important. And I know people who are heterosexual who are completely untrustworthy, manipulative, exploitative, and abusive. And I know people who have gender identity struggles who are kind, compassionate, and loving. And so I would encourage you to not focus on the gender struggle of that person, but to love them and help them grow to be the most godly, kind, Christ-like person they can be in character and leave the gender struggle to them. That being said, the transgendered individuals, in my view, are being exploited and taken advantage of by certain political leaders who want to use them as pawns to advance certain political agendas in our society that have nothing to do with the good of people of the LGBTQ community. And we need to resist those practices that are injurious to all parties involved. All right. Very, very good. Dr. Jennings is answering questions today in our Q&A program. Here's question number three, Dr. Jennings. Is the Bible for real or is it just a collection of made-up stories about a made-up God? And how do you know your answer is going to be right? Mm, Interesting question. You know, I can't tell another person that they will find my conclusions correct. Mm. My view of the scripture is that it is God's word and it is inspired. And I take that view because I have personally researched it. I've studied it and I've compared God's word to reality, but I don't follow God's word independent of the two other threads that God has provided for enlightening us about him and his universe. And God has in his word, said that his divine nature has been seen in what he has made so that men are without excuse. And so I harmonize my understanding of scripture with science and nature. And the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Check me out, experience me. Mm -hmm. And God wants us to have real life experiences on how his kingdom operates. And so my understanding of scripture, when harmonized with science, nature, and how reality works in life experiences— is always reliable. We have trouble when we separate scripture from science, nature, and experience, and then what happens is superstitious Mm. and sometimes destructive and harmful beliefs are taught 
that people will tie back to some Bible text that is actually their interpretation of that text is completely wrong, and that ends up hurting people. And so people will then throw the Bible out because of a, a false interpretation that has been put forward claiming that the Bible teaches something that it really never teaches. And so I think that's why most people question the Scripture. All right. Okay, question number four. Dr. Jennings, are AIDS and other diseases punishments from God? They thought so in the Bible, right? So, yes, in Scripture, Jesus makes this very clear. They thought leprosy was a punishment for God and diseases were a punishment for God, and they had this view that if you're healthy and wealthy, then you're uh, blessed by God, but if you're poor or sick, then you're cursed by God. The book of Job destroys that entire theological or philosophical worldview. The book of Job starts out with Job being declared by God as perfect and righteous in all his ways, and no one on the earth is like him. And then he suffers terrible calamity of losing his entire estate and fortune. His children die in tragedy, and he is struck with miserable boils all over his body and loses his health. And in no case and at no time was he cursed of God. God didn't do any of this to him. All this is brought on by Satan. And so the Bible is making the case very clear that pain, suffering, and sickness never come out from God. It always comes out from Satan. However, discipline comes out from God, and God sometimes disciplines. And you'll see the case, for instance, of Miriam and Aaron challenging the leadership of Moses, and Miriam is struck with leprosy in that moment, and then to teach a lesson to discipline that her character was leprous, that she was becoming callous to the Holy Spirit, that she wasn't listening to the leading of God, and that startled her awake. She repented, and the leprosy was removed. So God was not bringing actual disease upon her. He was using that as a therapeutic tool to bring her to conversion and change her heart. Many people misread that and think, oh no, there you go. God's bringing disease. God is not the source of disease, pain, or suffering. He is the source of life. Satan is the one who causes disease. And also in the world around us, there are diseases simply because of the of the chaos of the world. And Paul says in Romans that all nature groans of the weight of sin. And so we have sickness and disease because of the pathogens in the world around us, bad sanitation, bad drinking water, food where people haven't washed their hands. We can have all types of sickness and disease, and it's neither God nor a direct attack from Satan. It is simply because we live in a world where there's sickness. All right, very good. I think we have time for one more. We have about two and a half minutes left here. Number five, Dr. Jennings, I was abused as a child. How do I overcome my feelings of hatred and revenge? So it's an interesting question. I would encourage you to go to our website, comeandreason.com, and in our website, look under the resources tab. And under the resources tab, you will find a Healing the Mind Chattanooga seminar. And under that seminar, there is an entire presentation on recovering from sexual abuse. Hmm. And it will walk you through how abuse impacts a person genetically, epigenetically, physiologically, brain development, and will walk through constructs that get internalized. One of the problems that people who've been abused occur to them is that the abuse causes ideas to be internalized, not just into their belief system about the world around them, but in the belief systems about themselves that are false and untrue. And those false and untrue beliefs in their core self causes a significant fear, insecurity, distrust, unresolved wounds that perpetuate the sense of anger. Many people hold on to anger because it makes them feel strong and powerful, and they're ready to attack if anybody gets too close or, or hurts them again, and they don't want to feel vulnerable. They don't want to be a victim again. And so many people won't forgive and maintain their rage because 
because it's it's a way that they can feel like they're not uh, vulnerable again. But the only person that gets hurt by that is the person who holds on to the rage and holds on to the anger. And so to me, a person who writes this question communicates to me a deep wound, deep hurt that is uh, begging to be healed but isn't being healed. And the holding on to the anger and the uh, and the rage and the desire for revenge is actually an obstacle to healing. And I would encourage this person to go listen to the lecture, prayerfully think about what's presented in that, and begin the process of healing the wounds in the heart that were inflicted upon you from no fault of your own. That is a very positive thing because you're saying they can overcome those feelings of hatred and revenge. And that alone, knowing you can get well, you can overcome, is healing in itself, Dr. Jennings. Those feelings are symptoms of deep wounds. Mm -hmm. They are not problems in of themselves any more than fever is a problem, that the the pneumonia, that the infection is the problem, that the fever is the symptom. This anger and this rage and this desire for revenge is a symptom of a deep wound, soul wound, emotional wound that needs healing. And I would encourage the person to go, you Use the resources, get a counselor, find healing. All right, very good. Again, that website, comeandreason.com. And listener, Dr. Jennings just gave me an idea I want to share with you. When you go to his website, comeandreason.com, go with a question in your mind. Go with a situation that you are looking for answers. Go with an experience that you want to somehow find relief from. And then start looking around at the resources available to you, at the books and at the sharing tracks and at the television programs and the seminars and the Bible studies and, and the podcast. Go with that issue, that pain, that wound in mind. And I think the Lord will guide you to just the right resource you need to overcome, to heal from, to deal with that which is causing you pain today. That's all at commonreason.com. Give that a try. And of course, take the Lord with you. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. And Dr. Jennings, as always, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. I love our question and answers with Dr. J, Q&A with Dr. J. These are my favorite programs. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Music